Amen. Well, to begin our time together, I just wanted to remind us uh, as launch team members, kind of right out the gate, what we have committed to as launch team members. Uh, I know that it's easy maybe to have read some documents that we uh, hand out and, uh, and sign a couple of things, uh, but living in order of that, living in light of that, uh, as we strive to plant a healthy church that, that makes healthy disciples of Christ, that can make healthy disciples of Christ, uh, doesn't come passively. <laughs> right? Uh, that comes actively in the same way that all my little kids, when they wake up in the morning, they start screaming for food uh, and other various things. Uh, making disciples, taking care of people doesn't come easily. It comes very difficultly. Uh, and so um, what I wanted us to do as, as launch team members, and, and every time we get together, um, we have done this uh, historically, which well, last time we got together officially as launch team members for a launch team member meeting uh, was, was in my house, uh, and it was before the second lockdown. Uh, and then ever since then, like things got crazy. We we're all meeting in the woods together. And then we didn't really have launch team members at that time. And then Nadia was like, hey, I want to get baptized. We're like, we should start launch team members again. Uh, and so this is sort of our like uh, launch team member 2.0 uh, regrouping uh, is, is what we are kind of in the process right now, praying that uh, things would be able to continue to stay open and then we can meet as long as we possibly can without me going to jail. That's the goal. Uh, that's the goal. I'll go. I don't want to go. But uh, push comes to shove. So uh, let's look together, though, at that launch team commitment and, uh, and walk through it. Um, just really briefly, just wanted to hit those four things. You'll see uh, one, two, three, and four. The first one uh, is one of the things that people commit to is to attending uh, our weekly gatherings and some small group or, or Bible study uh, activities. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things that we commit to, um, both gathering together to hear the preaching of God's word, but also beyond that, uh, wanting to be known as God's people um, and have people know us. Secondly, part of that would be ongoing discipleship relationships with others. Um, thirdly is seeking out ways to share your life in the gospel. Uh, and then fourthly is using your gifts to help plant uh, our church. Uh, and I'll let you read some of those things together. I have a, a slide I'm going to show us in a minute to help us kind of understand that. Um, but looking at, at as well, uh, I wanted to really go over again with us uh, the commitment from our pastoral uh, guys uh, as shepherds and overseers of our church. What are we committing to uh, our launch team members? And so I just want to read that together just with, uh, with a reaffirmation from us to you. And it's this, as shepherds and overseers of a local church, pastors are entrusted, as we know, with protecting, leading, equipping, and caring for the corporate body and her individual members. And so the following list is rather extensive, as it is, of the requirements for pastors is spelled out in scriptures. So uh, pastors, leadership, we commit to uh, appoint other pastors and deacons, including staff members who serve in these offices according to criteria assigned to them in scripture, which by God's great kindness, uh, we are able to do uh, firstly with Nino uh, and then with Matt. Uh, and God has continued to bless us in that. Uh, secondly, uh, our commitment to all of our churches to prayerfully seek God's will for our church community and to steward resources in the best of our ability uh, based on our study of the scriptures and following the spirit. And next is to care for the church and seek her growth in grace, truth, and love, uh, which we strive to do often. Um, and then also to provide teaching and counsel from the whole of scripture, which we do from this stage, but also in other venues. Uh, then to equip the members of our church for the work of ministry and to be on guard against false teachers and teaching, to lovingly exercise discipline when necessary for the glory of God, uh, the good of the one discipled uh, or disciplined, uh, which is not a Freudian slip. Those are actually the same thing. Uh, and the health of the church as a whole. 
uh, and then to set an example and join members in fulfilling the obligations of church membership. So one of the interesting things about our church is, uh, so us as pastors, we are committing things to you, but at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters. <laughs> we, we realize that the role that I have, that Matt has, that Nino has in helping shepherd and, and lead our church in the season is that we are fellow church members who are called from our church into this level of serving and shepherding at this time in this season as a ministry. Like I, I'm not, I will not forever be a pastor of the Trails Church. One day I will either get so senile that I preach for hours on end and you just have to be like, get him off the stage, uh, which some of you think I already do. That's okay. Um, but, uh, but then, or God will, God will decide my time is done and I will die. Uh, or God will say, Hey, uh, I'm actually calling you out now from the church to go help plant another church somewhere else. And so it's something that as pastors and as all church members, we constantly lay on the table before God of, Hey, this is a blank check of my life. Wherever you say to go, this is where I will go. Uh, and so, so I say that because as pastors, we're not like the pastors of the church, uh, but rather we are just church members that God has called at this time to into these positions of, of leadership. And so for us, uh, that next thing is really important. The commitment of the individual to the rest of the launch team. This is what we all do together as members together. Uh, and we commit to study to the authority of scriptures as the final arbiter on all things. Sorry, to submit to the authority of scripture as the final arbiter on all issues. Uh, secondly, to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ through regular Bible reading, prayer, and fellowship. To follow the command and example of Jesus by participating in the ordinances, by being baptized after our conversion, by regularly remembering and celebrating the person and work of Christ through communion, which we'll do here in a moment. Uh, to regularly participate in the life of the trails by attending weekly gatherings, engaging in gospel-centered community, and serving those within and outside of this church. To steward the resources God has given us, including our time, talents, spiritual gifts, finances, which includes regular financial giving, service, and participation in community that is sacrificial, cheerful, and voluntary. And by God's grace, through the power of the Spirit, to walk in holiness in all areas of life as an act of worship to Jesus. And so that is what we all commit to, one to another. And this is the way that we all call it as God's people to help shepherd and guard one another's souls. Like, I need you speaking into my life just as much as you need me speaking into your life. And so as, as launch team members, this is what God has called us into, to, def, to defend uh, the gospel, to call out things in one another's life. And one thing that we say often uh, as well is the question isn't when I am going to sin against you, it's, or not if I'm going to, but when I'm going to, because it's going to happen. Uh, and when I sin against you, uh, as, as a fellow Christian, it's your role then to step in and say, Boss, uh, you sinned against me, man. And then I'll say, I am sorry. Uh, and I'll repent and apologize and ask for your gracious forgiveness. Uh, and then as a Christian, you will then forgive me and then we'll move on. And, and that's just the way Christian discipleship and church discipline work in little tiny ways so that there's not some big shipwreck out of our lives, right? And that's, God has given us as gracious gifts to one another to help prevent that we don't have a shipwreck in our, in our faith. You know, so that way, you know, when we leave outside today and someone walks up to you and says, hey, do you want some black tar heroin? The answer is very clearly no. Clearly no, right? Because you're not in, like, if, if you're like here and then there and then there and then there and then there and then maybe black tar heroin's way over here. Uh, so our goal is to help you not get to black tar heroin. Uh, I've never laid it out like that, but there you go. That's, that's our goal. Uh, but, but a host of other things. And so we are God's gracious gifts in one another's life. And so that's what we commit to as, as a local church. Uh, one way that um, I've, I've kind of uh, tried to creatively process through this um, is to think about, can you guys see that? I'm going to kind of go like this. Can you see it now? I'm going to move some of this too. 
Um, so one of the things that we know as a ministry, um, at, at the heart of everything that we do as Christians, right, is we have a, a desire, a longing that we may see God's kingdom multiply. And so at the heart of everything that we do as Christians is we want replication at the core of it. Right? This is, this is the whole reason of why we make disciples who can then make disciples who can then make disciples as God's people. And so at the core of everything that we want to do is we want to replicate the things that God has given uh, and placed us into as we make disciples who make disciples. Because really, there's going to come a day where this building is going to max out the number of people that we can have here. And by God's kindness at that moment, we'll then say, great, because we want to plant another church. Our goal is not to have multiple gatherings we, we believe in a gathering of the church where we are all together, where I see like Elaine and Mackenzie and I all crying as we're singing. So we're like criers. Uh, and we, we, we see that together as God's people. We're, we're, I'm watching your kids. You're watching mine. We're, we're together as God's people. And so when it comes to that point, we'll say, great, let's plant here, there, or wherever. Where do we have people coming from? Do we have a, a, a man that God's called to help lead and, and guide these people? If not, we'll just pray and fast until God provides someone. And they'll say, praise God. Uh, and they'll say, if you want to go with this person and help plant this church, great. If you're like, no, I'm going to stay here forever, great. I don't care. As long as you're doing what the Lord has called you to do, that's what we care the most about. Uh, so that's our, our end goal is how we replicate it. But we know when people come, typically there's two main doors that people come into our ministry through. The first one would be like a Sunday gathering. Well, first might be Instagram, but I didn't want to put Instagram on there. Um, so, so firstly, though, it might be the Sunday gathering. They come check you out and they're like, man, are you guys whack? Like, are you weird? Are you bizarre? Do I feel like you're odd in any way? Um, so they come to a gathering. So from there, what is our discipleship strategy and our process as Christians and as a ministry? Well, it would be to get them not just gathering together, which we believe this gathering is essential for us as believers, right? Like I'm willing to go to jail because I believe that. And so us gathering together under God's word is a key discipleship time every week for all of us as God's people. And so out of that, though, we also know that you can only go so deep here. I can go, hey, Leticia, I like your haircut, which I said earlier today. But, but things like, which I do, and I think it looks nice. But that's about as far as you can really deeply go without kids screaming or various things happening. And so we know in those smaller groups or in those Bible studies, it's really where you get to know other people. They get to know you. You then out of that have some discipleship relationships that come as you have people over your house, as you start working through various things together. And so our goal is not just the gathering, but then into small groups. And then from small groups or discipleship groups or, or I'm sorry, small groups or Bible studies, then into what we would call discipleship groups. Now, discipleship groups namely just fall, flow out of uh, a small group or, or a Bible study. And we haven't talked a lot about discipleship groups, uh, which is why I'm talking about it right now. Uh, it's in the launch team document that, that we just went over. Um, and, you know, in this season, it's been strange and things have been weird, but we're back on track. Uh, and so one of the things we wanted to do is reintroduce discipleship groups. Now, discipleship groups are groups of anywhere from between three to six people, same gender, um, who gather together uh, once a week, once every two weeks, uh, but has a very definite plan on when they get together. And the goal when they get together is to meet 45 minutes, 60 minutes. It's not long. It could be during lunch break. Um, it can even, doesn't even have to be people in our ministry either. It could be like other teachers at school or other IT professionals in your business or some guys you paint with. or I, I don't care who it is. I, I just want us as Christians to be making disciples. If they never go to our church, I don't care. Like, are we trying to make disciples as God's people who will get plugged in at healthy churches other places? 
praise God. Like, that's our goal, uh, right? So as God's people, we'd love you to be in those groups, though. And, and those groups are people where um, you're getting together specifically talking about things that you have read in God's Word that week, how God's Word has impacted you, uh, which on the Signal group, uh, there were a couple here as well. Um, I suggested using something like a Hear journal, uh, which is a way of studying and walking through God's Word. There might be other ways that you might know of that you could disciple people on on, on how to read through God's Word. So where you're talking about how you've read through God's word, how God's word is, has worked on you. Um, you're also committing to that group to memorizing some scripture together. It doesn't have to be like all of Exodus chapter two, uh, but it could be like some, like maybe half of a verse and the next week, the other half of the verse, like something that we're getting God's word into our hearts. Right. So, so that when we, when we uh, get cut, we bleed Bible. That's our, that's our goal as God's people. So we want to know, love and trust God's word and hide in our heart that we're not sin against him. And so uh, what you'll see is heavily on this side is a lot of things that we, at, we as Christians want to pour into one another. And that was really important for us because typically what happens when you go to a church, you're like, hey, you show up and you're like, hey, I'm brand new. I'm a drummer. And the next week you're like playing drums and no one is discipling you. No one is pouring into you. No one knows your relationship with Jesus. You're like drunk the night before, hooking up with your girlfriend. Nobody knows, right? You're just showing up like drumming and, you know, they're like, oh, that was amazing. The spirit. He's like, I know the spirits, right? Like, uh, and so, so what, what we want to do is more, how are we pouring into people? How are we discipling them? How are we pouring heavily into them? That way we're not just getting things out of people. How many of you ever been in a church where you just feel like they just wanted to get stuff out of you? Things that you might be able to do, money that you have, various things. That is the opposite of what we, what we want. So we, we would just rather, as you're being poured into, the natural overflow of that, right, is that we're pouring then into other people, right? And so, um, and, and I don't care what that serving looks like. It could be that you start, like you have a heart for X, Y, or Z, and you start that in your community, or there's another local, local organization next to you, and you're like, I love what they're doing. I'm just going to partner with them. As Christians, we do a terrible job of starting things when the city around us is already doing them, and then saying, look, we started this thing, and the city is like, we were already doing that. Why didn't you just come help us? And so we don't want to start a whole bunch of stuff non-importantly. If there's a ministry that isn't happening, praise God, let's start it, and you can lead it. Uh, but if not, how can we connect with other people, and how do we as Christians just join with what our city's doing? And then they're like, you guys are serving and doing the same thing as us, but not for the same reason. What's going on with that? Which then has gospel opportunities, right, for you to share Jesus with other people. We also have a couple of serving things even right here, right? Like we have kids stuff. Uh, I, as you probably can tell from all of this, I'm not type A. Organizationally, my life is a nightmare. Uh, and so uh, if, if you're like, hey, I love that kind of stuff. I actually wouldn't mind like organizing and setting up like volunteers for this or for that or whatever. And that's kind of like your jam. You're like, I'd love to serve maybe in that capacity. You should talk to me. Uh, or if you're like, hey, I'd love to organize this or that or whatever. That would be great. Like even, uh, even what was that, three, four weeks ago? Whenever we had our launch thing. Um, Amy reached out to me and said, hey, I love event planning. Would you, would you, would it help if I could just like give my event planning muscles a little, a little, a little flex and, uh, and help out with some of our launch teams, like, or, or uh, not launch team, uh, our launch uh, event. And I was like, that would be great. Uh, and she made this awesome like balloon thing. And I was like, I, it would not have looked like this uh, had I been the one to do it. And, and so God has these things, these giftings that we all have as people. And so we want to say, how do we also help you use that for the benefit of our, of our ministry to come alongside of our families as they're trying to disciple their kids? How do we help in that, right? Which is the whole aim of youth ministry. 
right? The whole aim of Trails Kids is we're saying, how do we come alongside of you as parents? How do we help come into this discipleship process with you uh, and, and, and serve you and get to know you and love you and, you know, that. So um, that's the aim of that. And then so then the goal, so if you're following Sunday, small groups, discipleship groups, serving into replicating. So we want to replicate serving opportunities. We want to replicate discipleship groups. We want to replicate small groups. We want to replicate Sunday gatherings and plant churches. That would be the same thing. But that would be the end goal of what we feel like God has called us as a ministry to do. Hey, Boz, don't, don't throw that over, Bubba. I love you. So uh, that's, that's a, a huge thing that we're called to uh, as God's people uh, and something that we want to walk in. Uh, also, one of the things that we gave out to all uh, launch team members is that little handy-dandy book, uh, What is a Healthy Church Member? And as a ministry, we love to give out good resources like that that help equip you. That's also why we have the Basecamp podcast. It's the exact same reason. It's not because I love doing podcasts. I don't. I'm sitting in my room with a little microphone. That's the whole reason I was like, we're not doing Zoom as a church. Like, I, uh, I, can't, I can't, or like online services. I'm not going to preach to this weird little microphone. Like, that's bizarre to me. Uh, so, but uh, in studying for it, I love it. Uh, and, and it's one of the ways we're trying to equip. That's also like microblogs, uh, a thing that, that Nino uh, has created. And him and Matt have done a couple of them on Instagram and various things like that. So we're trying to use those as tools to equip us as God's people in these various ways on social media or other platforms, as well as as we share our lives in the gospel together. And so we love to give out those good resources so that, um, so that we can really have really healthy church members. That's our goal. So that, so that whether God calls us to serve together for decades to come, that we might build this really healthy foundation that then future generations like our children and our grandkids and their great grandkids can be blessed by a faithful gospel preaching, Bible believing, Jesus saturated culture uh, as a church. And then that our city and province can be blessed as we want to help plant lots of other healthy churches out of our church. But also, we really want to build into you as brothers and sisters, knowing that God might call you to move cities or move churches right in the future or whatever. And so we want to strive both as pastors, but also as fellow Christians to build into one another as much as we possibly can. So that if God calls you to go into a different ministry, that you can jump into that as a healthy church member and help the overall health of that church. Like if one day these doors close, we quit gathering together as a ministry and all of us jettison out into all of these different churches all around Winnipeg or Steinbeck, and we all do so as healthy church members who are making disciples who can make disciples, that would be all I would care about. That, 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 that would be great. If we all just like made disciples, make disciples, and we go and we're healthy church members, great. Like, like that wouldn't be a loss for us. That would be a gospel win. And, and so we're not here trying to make a big deal about our church name, our church things. I could care less. What I do care about is I want to see people come to know Jesus. And I want to see you equipped and enabled to be able to use your gifts and to grow in who God has called you to be. So that come what, I, come what may, wherever you end up in life or here forever, you and I can just have graves near one another in the same graveyard one day or something. Uh, but, but that we would be a healthy ministry that would help plant healthy ministries. Also so that you might know unhealthy churches to avoid in the future <laughs> you show up and you're like oh no uh, this is i i gotta go i can't stay here goodbye uh right that's also our our goal is that both in our preaching and teaching but also in in your equipping ministries we want to equip you to also know god's word so you walk in and be able to decipher really quickly no this is odd i i, I don't think i could be here 
And so we want to help you grow in that as well. Also, as a launch team member, a question we ought uh, to be asking ourselves is how can we contribute to the positive health as our, uh, of our church? How do we, as launch team members, how do we create the foundation, the culture by which the rest of our church and future churches, if God, if God wills, which I, I hope we will, how, how do we help create the culture, the foundation of that by which our church will be built? Because really, as we're as launch team members, that's what God's calling us to do. Create a culture whereby other people might come in, know, love, trust Jesus, be equipped as well. And then they're building into other people. And that, that's how ministries grow. That's how churches are planted. That's how disciples are made. See, healthy churches aren't just produced by healthy preaching and ministry programs like good youth or good kids or whatever. No, as we read actually in, uh, in that book, uh, What is a Healthy Church Member? I thought I had a copy. I, I gave them away. There's more in the back. But, but in, that, in that book, it says the health of the local church depends on the willingness of its members. Let me see if I have that. Do I have that? Uh, do I have that? Is that there? Cool. Oh, no. That's where we're going in a minute. Um, the health of the local church, it depends on uh, the willingness of members to inspect their hearts, to correct their thinking, and then to apply their hands to the work of ministry. I really like that from the book. That's what it said. It says, the health of the local church, it depends. I don't know if you've thought about that. Our church's health depends on your willingness to inspect your heart, correct your thinking, and apply their hands to the work of ministry. That's huge, which means our church will be healthy as we as launch team members strive for personal health and corporate health as a church. There are also various ways that we do this that are mentioned in the book. First is this one. I wanted to talk about um, expositional listening. You know, I don't know what that means. Well, just as our sermons uh, are preached expositionally, meaning that the main point of the sermon, the main argument of the sermon is the main argument of the text itself. Um, what we're doing is we're expositing what is there. We're digging it up and bringing those diamonds up and saying, look at these diamonds. Aren't they awesome? Right? That, that's our goal in, in Christian preaching. In the same way, we can have expositional listening as God's people. And you can read that uh, chapter again uh, later. But I want us to strive as launch team members to think about the, the text even as we're listening to sermons being taught um, on how, how we can live them out as a church. So as that chapter also points out, it says healthy launch team members are those who listen in, partic- in a particular way to the word of God as it is preached and studied. They let God set the agenda by seeking always to hear the true meaning of the text so that they can then apply it into their lives. So to put that together, expositional listening is listening for the meaning of the passage of scripture and accepting that meaning as the main idea to be grasped for our lives personally and corporately. Kind of like we talked about last week. One thing that we always do when we're looking at the Bible, what does the text say? What is the context around it? How does this point us to Jesus? What then shall we do as a result of that, as God's people? And that's what expositional listening is. As you're listening to the sermon, you're listening and you're, you're saying, are, are what they saying? Is that what the text is saying? And, and we will miss it from time to time. Or we might, we might get really fascinated on an idea. Like, oh, look at this. And you're like, I like that too. It's not the main idea, but I like that's a, I, I like that. That's okay. But our main diet is, no, no, we want to show you as we're walking through. This is what God's word says. Do you see it? See how this works with this and this? Isn't God great? 
That, that's our main thrust of, of our aim in, in preaching. And so in listening, we have the great benefit of listening along and then growing as God's people as we're listening to God's word being taught to us. It's a strange thing. In no other context, maybe other than, than school, would you have someone stand for 45 minutes, an hour or so, and talk to you about something, and you're trying to listen and pay attention and take notes and what is happening? And yet in that, always what we're doing is we're showing you this is how to read your Bibles. This is how to walk through a text. These are some things that, that we should be thinking about as we're entering into this text. This is how this kind of connects here and this connects here. We're trying to paint this big picture of what God is doing all the way throughout history. So that as we're walking through lockdowns and these things and whatever, that we're, we're not just getting stuck here, but looking back and forward, looking around us, how are we trying to serve people around us? So all that to say, what are some benefits of expositional listening? Well, firstly, it cultivates a hunger for God's word which is kind of what I mentioned up to this point. As we listen to God's word being preached and taught, we grow accustomed to hearing what is God trying to say through his word. Uh, Secondly, it helps us focus on God's will and to follow him. As the preacher tries to uh, preach God's word, what the preacher thinks becomes secondary, right? And what God's word says becomes primary. So as we're listening to sermons being taught, that should be our aim as well. And as we're reading our Bibles every day, that should be the aim as well. God's agenda takes center stage. Thirdly, uh, it protects the gospel and our lives from corruption. The failure to listen expositionally has disastrous effects because what happens into a church is that false teachers come and then the gospel is hindered. Ultimately, truth is misplaced by myths and falsehoods. And so where, where members cultivate the habit of expositional listening, they guard themselves and the gospel against having an itching ear, and they protect the gospel from corruption. So listening expositionally helps safeguard the true gospel from being corroded over time. Because that's what happens. A church may start out loving the gospel, talking about Jesus, preaching the Bible, and over time, people can't get bored with that. Like, Great. What about the book of Revelation, though? When are we getting there, man? What happens to all these things? What's going on? What's happening? Right? Or, or you get like the church becomes fascinated on things like spiritual gifts, which is a very small part of the Bible, a couple of verses. And then people try to make huge sermon things out of little teeny tiny words. And you're like, we don't have a definition of that word. Are you coming up with a whole sermon series on, on that one word? That is it. That's not even a thing we're ever taught, right? And so, so you can easily begin to have itching ears for other things other than the Bible being taught, the gospel being presented in and through whatever text you're in. And if you've been around for any amount of time, you also know that whether we're in Exodus or John, like you're always hearing the gospel, but it's always drastically different from a different angle and different things. And that's our aim. But it's easy as a church to drift from that. So if we're not listening carefully, year by year, decade by decade, all of a sudden our church could become all about... Tim LaHaye and the Left Behind series, and nothing about Jesus, and nothing about his word. If you love Tim LaHaye, I don't care. Uh, but but, uh, but I, I don't want us to become that. I don't want to become all about this one little tertiary thing that Christians might disagree on. So we want to, we want to let the main thing be the main thing. Fourthly, it also leads us uh, to encourage uh, faithful pastors to be faithful. <laughs> First Timothy 5.17, faithful men uh, flourish at the fertile reception of the preached word. As a pastor, as a preacher, uh, whenever I hear you opening God's word, whenever seeing you like working through whatever I'm saying, you're like, oh, what? 
Uh, I love it. Uh, and then afterwards, you're like, what does this mean? Tell, what is this word in the Greek? Uh, I, I love that. Because we as God's people, we're listening, we're opening God's word. God's word is open on our laps. We're saying, what does God's word say together? And there's nothing more joyful as a pastor than having people that love, know God's word, that are striving to love and love and know it more. There's nothing more encouraging. And then it also means I have to be a lot more faithful. These guys have to be a lot more faithful in preaching the Bible, right? And we start preaching something, and you're like, where is that in the book? Uh, right? And, and, and you, that's what you should do. Where is that? In the, show me. Where is this in the book? Because the book is our standard. Uh, next, uh, it also uh, benefits the gathered congregation. All of us are, are encouraged on that. Um, next, how do we cultivate expositional listening? This is not working. I think this battery is going to die. There we go. Oh, whoa. There we go. Uh, how do we cultivate that then? What are some ways we can, as a local church, cultivate that? One, we can meditate on the sermon passage during the week prior uh, in our quiet times or study times. Uh, usually we'll have a little thing that says where we're going next. Uh, right now, it's just whatever the next chapter is. So next week, Genesis, or Genesis uh, Exodus 3. The next week, the beginning of Exodus 4. The next week, the last part of Exodus 4. The next week, Exodus 5. That's a great thing preaching through Bobby. Like, where are we going next? Well, what's next? Uh, and then you can just study and look at that. Um, you can also invest into a good set of commentaries, um, or you can just check out blueletterbible.org. There's a lot of free commentaries there. Um, next is how do you cultivate that? You can talk and pray with friends about the sermon after the gathering. Um, develop that. Develop this habit of that. As Christians, we're not very good at that. Like walk away, and you're like, man, do I ask them? Do they ask me? I don't know. We, we just had this experience together under God's word. What should we do with it? Well, one of the things that we can do is uh, either on walks or in homes or small groups or Bible studies, like before or after, we start asking one another things like, how did the sermon challenge you today? Or, or how did the sermon speak to you today? Or, or what about God's character most surprised you or encouraged you from what we read today? How do you think this might apply to our lives? It's sitting around the dinner table, that might be a good time to even talk about that as a family. How, how did, what do you guys think about the sermon? Rehearse the sermon a little bit. And then encourage others by sharing things you learned about God and his word during the sermon. Uh, Shayla and I were in uh, the, the, the little kitty room uh, with a bunch of other parents, but she was the one that was closest to me uh, during Nino's sermon. And it got to a point where it was just really loud in there. And uh, so I was like, hey, Nino, we heard this at the beginning of Nino's sermon. Uh, what do you think about that? And then we had this profitable discussion on, uh, on them deciding to have a baby even in the midst of this crazy time. And, uh, and what that might mean, not just for us, but then thinking about as Christians and, and then thinking about us culturally and where we're at now and various things like that. Think about even the birth of Christ. Like, so, so we can encourage one another by asking one another those kinds of things. And then also you can pray with others that God would keep our congregation uh, from becoming dull of hearing God's word. Because that can happen. People just get dull of hearing God's word and they just hate it. So pray that God would continue to give us ears to hear, that we would all desire solid food from God's word because we are God's great gifts to one another. Uh, fourthly would be to listen and act on the sermon throughout the week. One or two maybe particular applications might go for you. Um, small groups or families, review the sermon, one-on-one -on -one discipleship, think through that. Uh, fifthly, develop the habit of addressing any questions about the text that you might have. If you're like, man, I really don't know about that, study it a little bit. One of the things that uh, oftentimes if you'll come and ask me, hey, what are your thoughts on this? My response will always be, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm not like Aaron the Bible guy. And I, I mean, I, I know answers. I don't want to just 
give you something. I also might not know. I don't know about that, uh, which is fine too. Um, but, but I want you to think about it. And you have thoughts on it. You're, you're reading through it. You, you study it. You're, you're thoughtfully reflecting onto it. Oh, I mean, what do you think? Right? I want to know what you think. And that's also a way that we can sharpen one another as believers, studying, researching, knowing God's word. Next is uh, cultivating humility. Now, as you dig into God's word, you're listening for his voice in his word. You'll no doubt begin to grow and discover many wonderful treasures. But as you grow, my advice to you, my advice to myself, uh, I've been this at times, is don't become a professional sermon listener who is always listening, but never learning and never applying anything that you are learning. Beware of false knowledge that puffs up. Right, we have that first, first Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 8.1, Colossians 2.18. Also in that, be, be careful of strife and dissension and approach one another with charity on various things that we might disagree with and Christians don't have to agree on it. Right, there's first order importance and there's second order importance. As a local church, first order things, we will love, agree, defend with our lives. Second order things, did Adam have a belly button? Uh, I don't know. Uh, did the creation of the earth happen in literal six days? Maybe. Is Jesus coming back pre-mill, all-mill, post-mill? Uh, he's coming back, uh, right? So, so we want the main things to be the main things. And, and as a church, that's what we want to fight for is charity, but also allowing first important issues to remain first importance, but then freedom on various other things. And strive to, to kill any tendencies that we might have towards pride, the condemnation of others, or critical nitpicking. We might have a tendency of listening expositionally to be overtly critical. This is common among seminary students. Charles says amen because he knows lots of seminary students. It's easy to become overtly critical as you're listening to sermons, but we shouldn't. Instead, we should strive to build one another up in love, not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. It's like going to a really nice restaurant and then the next night going over to your mom's for dinner. She gives you food and you say, it's not as good as the restaurant though. And your mama should pick up that pan and smack you upside the head and say, boy, I don't know where you think you're at right now. You're at some restaurant, right? And as God's people, when we gather together, it's not meant, are you as great of a preacher as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, John Piper? No, of course you're not. Are you, you know, right? Nor should you be. And God has given us as a church, some, some pastors who faithfully preach and love God's word. And we're called to submit to and to follow them, which I do with joy. I do with joy. Uh, I love these brothers. But there is a, a call to remind us to be patient and long-suffering with one another. And then when we gather and open God's word, seek to meet Jesus each time we come to scripture. And gather from the Bible fuel for all of our life worship. Don't exalt ourselves, but let us instead remember Peter's words, which are, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And so what I want to do real quick is just pray for that. I, I want to pray that God would do that in our hearts uh, before we keep going and then our launch team uh, meeting. So, Father, I do. I pray, I pray that you would continually bless our church in this way. I, I pray that you would make us expositional listeners and increase our affection for hearing and applying your word into our lives. I pray that we would see Jesus in every text and help us grow in humility and love towards one another uh, as we seek to honor you, uh, as we partner together in making Jesus known. We need your help to do this, and we ask this in his name. Amen.
All right, so uh, one of the things as well that we do during these launch team meetings is give some financial updates on where we are at as a ministry. So I'm just gonna do that real briefly. Um, as a ministry, we were incredibly blessed at the very beginning uh, of our ministry before we arrived uh, in Winnipeg in early 2020 with some financial donors that basically provided the bulk of all of our ministry needs for 2020 up to halfway through 2021. And uh, a lot of that came, no joke, as one dude wrote a massive check. I've never seen the numbers so high on a check in my entire life. I was like, what in the world? Uh, and so God was really generous to us, which looking back on seeing how we were about to walk through a pandemic, I was like, God knew what he was doing uh, and protected us a lot, which meant as we walked through all of that craziness, um, Nino and I didn't necessarily have to worry that much. He had some uh, side IT jobs and was on half time. I was on full time and, and God had been able to provide all of that. And then uh, as things kind of kept going, um, we were able to start buying chairs and books and televisions and computers and sound systems and uh, all of those things. Um, and to do so in a way that wouldn't have any financial burden on anyone that we were inviting to come and to preach to. You know, one of the strangest things in church planning, especially when people become a Christian, is you're, you're sharing the gospel with them. They become a Christian. They start joining your church and they're like, wait, you want my money? Uh, this is all a ruse. Yeah, you people. And so when we came in, we we're like, I don't, we don't ever want to be in a place where we're, where we're asking people or dependent on that in any way where, where we even have to change how we preach or the things that we say. Because it's easy to draw a crowd. And it's easy to draw a crowd that will give money. But the kind of sermons that you need to do are not the kind that I feel convicted to preach. Um, and, uh, and I think are very strange. Anyway, and so um, by God's grace and kindness, God really provided a lot of our uh, needs up until uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, back in... Uh, uh, oh, wait, sorry, I'm not going to get there yet. Uh, so, so we didn't want to be a burden. We didn't want to be a burden. Uh, and then by God's kindness, he, did, he sent enough money and all that. And so when pandemic hit, we were fine. Uh, hold on, let me walk through. Oh, so uh, over the last couple of months, though, um, we began to run out of some of those funds that were given. And so to save our church, actually, the financial burden of having Nino as being part-time, he actually said, I'm going to resign and I'm going to get a job and skip the dishes. And so he does IT work now for them. Uh, and so anything that he does over and above that now is the same way that Matt has done uh, as a uh, lay elder, like an elder that's not being paid, a pastor's not being paid for the work that they are doing. Um, and, and so, uh, and, and then what I've been doing is I've been trying to connect with a couple of churches down south uh, to say if they might come along and partner with us and help support us financially. And in June, no lie, things looked bleak. Uh, like bleak, bleak. Um, and so in preparation for that, come what may, I started a certificate program. Google has all these new certificate programs. So I started a certificate program in project management so I could have something on my resume that was like, I can do something uh, as opposed to like, I can come preach for your, your, uh, your IT company. Uh, I'm like, no, that's fine. Um, so, so instead I started doing that uh, just in case I got to a point where I needed to go full-time into another profession so I could just continue to provide financially for my family and not be a burden to our church. Uh, but starting in July, through a lot of your own generous gifts, um, we're starting to kind of be in a place over these last couple of months where uh, right now, as a ministry, our building rental costs uh, here uh, and our youth group rental costs, uh, as well as uh, coffee and cookies and stuff like that for worship gathering refreshments, uh, books and stuff that we provide, printing technology costs, and uh, even our insurance is all being able to be provided 
by our church, uh, which, which saves us a lot of money. Uh, it's, a, it's to the tune of about $40,000. Uh, and so by God's great kindness, uh, we're now at a place things aren't as bleak as they once were. Um, and so while we'll have a lot more time devoted in our November uh, uh, meeting uh, as launch team members to talk about some financial stuff. I did want to just say thank you uh, for partnering together with us uh, in our church in this way. Uh, one of the hardest things in church planting is the finances. Uh, usually uh, in church planting, it takes about five years for a church to get to the point where they are completely financially independent as a ministry. Uh, and yet by your generosity, we're beginning to see God do some of that uh, earlier than I ever thought that he would possibly do, uh, which would be great because I don't know how long stuff down south is going to keep sending money up or what that's going to look like. So uh, praise God for you. Uh, so thank you for generously giving and partnering with us in that way. Every time I, every time I read the book of Philippians, uh, I, I think about uh, you guys and I think about uh, the partners that we have down south that send up money. And I'm just like, uh, there's this beautiful phrase in Philippians 4.17 where uh, Paul looks at, he's writing the Philippian church and he says to them, uh, that, that he, he knows that uh, they are getting the credit for the fruit that is going on in Paul's life and Paul's ministry, um, that, that God is crediting that, the fruit of his ministry, to their accounts. It's this beautiful phrase. And every time I read it, I just, I just like stop a minute. I'm just like, God, you are kind uh, and gracious that you would even do that. So anyway, uh, thank you for partnering with us. Um, one last thing I want to mention in, in this meeting uh, that I'm, I'm thankful for um, as well uh, is just God's work in our midst is firstly uh, being able to have the great privilege of having Matt baptize Nadia uh, back when we were in the forest season in his pond. That was awesome. Uh, and then we celebrated uh, two more here in this building since July. Uh, and at the moment, we have three other people um, who've expressed interest in baptism in the upcoming weeks. Uh, we know they're wanting to get baptized. And so um, I'm really excited to fill that baptismal tank up again. I was telling you a couple, maybe like two or three weeks ago, something. I was like, man, I want to fill that thing up again. I want to see people's lives transformed by Jesus. And literally that day, uh, someone came up to me and said, hey, I want to get baptized. And I looked at me afterwards. I was like, the Lord works in mysterious ways, man. Uh, I was like, what a, what a great uh, prayer or, or answered already. Um, and so we want to just pray for many more of that. We want to pray for many more lives to be transformed by the gospel. Many other people like, like Johnny that just randomly sees our stuff on social media. It's like, who are you guys? Uh, and then we get to that, we want to just be your best friends. Uh, and he's like, okay, that's cool. Weird, but cool. Uh, I'll jump in. Um, and so we just want to pray for, for many more people to have their, uh, one, firstly, a newfound faith in Christ, but then wanting to go public with their faith as a result. Uh, and then lastly, as you know, um, during this time, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are going to celebrate communion. Um, and so uh, if you haven't already grabbed a communion uh, thingy, um, you can come grab one real quick. I am as well. Uh, and then you can open up to First Corinthians chapter uh, 11. Kids can come in. That's fine. I love kids. I love my kids. I love your kids. Um, so we're going to celebrate communion together. So if you want to flip open to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 in your Bibles as well, um, we'll read that together and then do it old school Baptist wise together. Sorry, you're in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Hey, Nino, will you grab my Bible inside my bag? Hey, Nino. Oh, I did that here. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're not going to talk about That's Valley of Vision. Oh, is it not in there? Oh, man. That's okay. I can use my phone. Oh, thank you. I'm going to see if you're a note taker. Are you a note taker? Do you write in your Bible? Oh, man, I do. I love writing in my Bible. I write things like, what does he mean by this? 
<laughs> it's fun. We're not going to talk about head coverings right now. That's the beginning of 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 17. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. It says, but in the following instruction... Oh, actually, well, I'll keep going. I'll, we'll start verse 23. I can talk about why they have not been doing this well, but I won't. Uh, I'll talk about how we can do it well. Uh, verse 23. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after saying... Uh, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So I many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. So when you come together, it will not be for judgment. So uh, as, uh, as a, a local church, what we also wanted to do is just to do that now. Uh, we, we celebrate communion uh, every month as a church, first Sunday. Uh, and then during these times as well, we celebrate as well. So... Uh, would love if you want to go ahead and grab the bread together we'll read together jesus's words and then take it together again in verse 24 it says when he had given thanks jesus broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant my blood If you ever heard me stop like that in a sermon, I'm just crying a little bit. That's okay. Uh, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Scott, I'm thankful for this time that we have to gather together as men and women who have, because of your body and because of your blood, have been bought by Jesus. Thankful for the new life that we have. And uh, humbled by your work in our midst. And God, we would pray for more. Oh, we pray that there would be more lives that would be transformed by Jesus. We pray that there would be more saints equipped. Pray, pray that there would be more churches planted. And we ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Uh, on the night that Jesus died, they sang a, they sang a hymn uh, and, uh, and then left. Hopefully the events of that day won't follow us into the rest of our day. But, but I thought that we would, uh, we would finish by singing a song. And, and I think it's a, a new song. Uh, I don't think many of you might know it, but you will immediately know the rhythm. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's the rhythm of uh, Old Lang Syne. Uh, but different words. Uh, and and uh, I asked Nino to sing this song uh, because, as we know from the book of Psalms, that uh, unless the Lord builds a house, in vain its builders strive. Uh, unless the guard keeps watch from the watchtower, uh, it will be in peril. And we know that our God is the one who watches out for us and that he's the one building his church. And so uh, everything that we do as a church is really just dependent on God's grace and kindness. 
And so uh, I wanted to sing this song. Uh, it might be brand new for you, uh, but if not, uh, you'll know the rhythm. So sing along uh, as we just recount together God's great kindness uh, in our church. You can lead us, brother.